0: In the previous lesson, we discussed the spiritual significance of Yom Kippur. And we said that every holiday gives a person new additional spiritual strength in a specific area of Yiddishkeit. What is it in reference to Yom Kippur? That's the day in the year that we're given new additional strength which specifically helps us in performing the mitzvah of tshuva, of repenting. So tshuva is something which is not restricted to any time of the year. Any day in the year, and any moment of the day, is an appropriate time for one to do tshuva, to repent on the sin that they committed. But nevertheless, there's a time in the year which is Yom Kippur, that's the day in the year that God gives us new additional spiritual strength that we should be able to perform this tshuva and we explained in this previous lesson that there are many levels in tshuva and the highest level is that not only when I do tshuva is my sin completely erased that there is absolutely no punishment for what I did and not only is it completely erased that there is absolutely no spiritual damage done to the soul whatsoever Not even a trace of it is left. But the highest level of tshuva is that the sin that was committed is transformed and becomes something positive. And we explain that the reason for this is because when a person commits sin, through this he becomes distant from God. When he does tshuva, he now wants to become closer. So the desire to become close to God that comes after an experience where one was distant from God, that feeling of love for God, and, and wanting to connect to God, which comes after a negative experience, is much more intense and much more powerful than the love for God and the desire to be connected that one will experience in ordinary circumstances. In fact, it's impossible for a person who never was far from godliness. It's impossible for that person to feel the same feeling of love and connection to God like an individual who is experiencing this burning desire to be close to God because for so much time they were far away from Him, they were distant from Him. So that means that the negative experience and the time that they were in a negative place this serves a positive purpose, this helps me accomplish and develop, this helps me achieve this higher level of love for God. And that's why it becomes transformed into something positive. In other words, the a person does chuva. and after they chuva, they have this ordinary level of love for God, then the negative experience, the sin, does not become something positive. Why? Because it's not serving any positive purpose. The love for God that I'm experiencing now, I could have experienced even if I never would have done sin in my life. But if a person does tshuva, and in the process of tshuva, they develop such a burning love for God, such an intense desire to be connected to God, the kind that it's impossible to feel and to experience unless you've been far from Him, then that distance that the person had from God, and that sin that they committed, that becomes something positive, because only that is responsible for this higher and more powerful love for God that they're experiencing now. However, there's a question, and this is what we'll be discussing in today's lesson. True, that sin and that negative experience is responsible for the strong feelings of love that I'm experiencing now. But how is it possible for the sin to be transformed into a merit, especially the way Hasidus and mysticism define sin. For example, if a person ate food which is not kosher, it says in Hasidus, and we've explained this in one of the earlier lessons, that this means that the spiritual chemistry of this non-kosher food is shalosh klipa satmeis, which means it's exclusively klipa. It's absolutely made up of this negative element, negative force, and there's no godliness in it. If a person eats food which is kosher, that's not holy, it's just kosher. This kind of food also has a klippa element in it. But it's the kind of klippa element that if I eat the food the right way, it can be elevated and it can become godly. If I make the blessing before I eat the food, and I make the after blessing after I eat the food, and I eat it properly in a refined way, then by doing this, I can activate the godly spark in this food, elevate it, and this food which originally was Kripa, can now become transformed into something holy, something godly. But food which is not kosher, if I make ten blessings on it, it's not going to help. Why? Because it doesn't have this... Godly element in it It's just exclusively Klipa So no matter How good I eat it And how refined I am when I eat it And how many blessings I make on it when I eat it Even if I'm not even aware That it's not kosher But the chemistry Of non-kosher food Is such Of Gimel Klipa Satme There's no Godly spark in it And therefore It cannot be elevated So if this is the case How is it possible That when a person Does Tshuva The tray food Is transformed Into something Which is positive into a merit if it has no godliness in it how can it be transformed into something positive it's like saying that a person who is not intelligent if you work with him you can eventually develop his brain and can become a brilliant genius but you can't make a piece of wood into a genius it just doesn't have that chemistry it doesn't have that ability and the answer to this is as follows It says in the Torah, which literally means the person doesn't live by the bread, but by the energy from God's mouth. Which means that don't think bread is what gives you life, it's God that gives you life. The Arizal, one of the masters of mysticism, Kabbalah, He explains it in the following way. That person doesn't live on the bread alone, but he lives on the God's energy that's in the bread. In other words, the Torah is telling us, yes, the bread gives you energy. But it's not just the technical features of the bread that are responsible for that energy, but it's the fact that there's godliness in the bread, and that godly spark that's in the bread, that's what gives you life. That's where you're getting your uh, life from. So he asks a question. If this is the case, then why do I have to eat bread for? If it's the godly spark that's in the bread, everything has a godly spark in it. Otherwise, it couldn't exist. So we also have a godly spark within ourselves. And that supports us and keeps us in existence. So why do I have to eat a piece of bread to get the godly spark when I have a godly spark within myself? And the reason answers that it's true. We do have a godly spark. But we need the godly spark that's in the bread, because the godly spark that's in the bread is higher spiritually than the godly spark that's in the person. How's that? The person is greater and has much more capacity than a piece of bread. And the answer is, and here's a basic principle that is very basic and fundamental in all of Hasidic philosophy. At kolha gavoa gavoa bi yosef which means that which comes from a higher place descends lower. So the lower something descends and the lower something is found, this is an indication that it comes from a higher source. There's an analogy which is given that if you have a wall with many layers of bricks and the wall falls down, we will find that those layers of bricks that were on the top of the wall they will fall much further away from the initial place where the wall was standing. Those layers of bricks that are on the bottom part of the wall they're going to fall pretty much close to the original place where the wall was standing. In fact, the higher something is in the wall the further away it's going to fall. The analogy is that the higher the source in the spiritual realm the lower it will fall in the physical realm so when we see something in the physical world which is lower like bread is lower than a human being this is an indication that the spiritual energy the source of the spiritual energy which is in the bread comes from a higher place than the source of the spiritual energy that's in a person for example If someone throws a rock, and the rock falls 10 yards away, throws another rock, and that falls 50 yards away, one would ask a question, which rock is closer to the person? Of course, the one that's 10 yards away is much closer than the one that's 50 yards away. But then you would ask another question. Which rock requires much more energy to get it there? Where does the person have to exert and invest more depth of his energy to get the rock 10 yards away or to get the rock 50 yards away the answer is very clear to get the rock 50 yards away the person had to exert much more energy He had to bring out much more depth of his energy to get it out there in other words the mere fact that it's so far away from the person that itself is an indication that the person had to exert and give out more of depth of his energy in order to accomplish that And the same thing with God. That those things that God created, that are closer to Him, then God didn't have to, so to speak, exert that much energy. Those things that are further away from God, they come from a deeper source within God. And that's why they were able to be so far away from God. So the godly energy in the bread is definitely lower than the godly energy within a person. That's why bread is bread and a person is a person. But the source of the energy, in the case of the bread, it comes from a deeper place in God, and the source of the energy of a person doesn't come from such a deep place. And that's why the person needs the bread to stay alive, because the energy in the bread comes from a higher place. And we we'll the be seeing the same thing with animals and vegetables and plants when you talk about the four kingdoms the animal kingdom is higher than the plant kingdom but nevertheless animals need plants to stay alive which means plants they give life to animals how is it possible the plants are lower than the animals because the godly spark that's in the plant which is lower is higher than the godly spark that's in the meat in the animal and we find that How do plants live? From water, which is inanimate. It's lower than the plant kingdom. The plant kingdom has some form of life and growth. Water is something which has no life to it. But the godly spark that's in the water comes from a higher place than the godly spark that's in the plant. And this is a basic pattern in nature, in the physical realm, and throughout the entire universe. That those things which we see are lower, they come from a higher spiritual source. And with this principle, many basic concepts of Hasidus is explained. Many ideas of Torah are explained by this. As we find, for example, that the Beis HaMikdash, the temple which was built in Jerusalem by Shlomo HaMalach, was mainly made out of stone. The Mishkan, which is known as the tabernacle, which was built in the desert, that was made out of wood. And the question is, the Beis HaMikdash is the permanent edifice which was built in Yerushalayim to last forever. And that's the permanent place of the Beis HaMigdash So it seems to be higher than the Mishkan which was a temporary building that was being uh, transferred from one place to the next. So why is that the Mishkan which was a temporary thing that is made up of wood which is from the plant kingdom. The Beis is the temple which is the permanent thing, that's made out of stone, which is from the lower realm. It's from the inanimate. And the answer is, on the contrary, because the base HaMikdash is higher, therefore it was made up of stone. Because the godly spark and the godly energy which is within the stone, comes from a higher spiritual source than the godly energy that's in wood. We find the same thing with the idea of the soul coming into the body. Another basic topic in Hasidic philosophy. Why does the soul come into the body? The soul lives in a spiritual realm, in a very high spiritual place. And how come it comes down? And it says, That the soul goes into the body against its will, but it also leaves the body against its will. Which means the soul has a desire to come down into the body... And at the same time, the soul has a desire not to come into the body. Why is that? Because the soul wants to be in a higher place, in a spiritual realm, which is closer to God, and therefore doesn't want to come into the body. So why do we say that the soul also has a desire to remain in the body? And the answer is because the body is lower than the soul. The body is physical, and the soul is something spiritual. So the godly energy that's in the body comes from a higher spiritual source, and the godly energy that's in the soul. So the soul wants to go into the body to be able to gain that higher level of spirituality which is found in the body. Another major subject in Hasidic philosophy is the idea that God wants the world to operate in a pattern of nature and not by miracles. And God wants us to live a life which is connected to nature. That's what we find when the Jewish people were in the desert. They did not want to leave the desert. They did not want to go into Israel. And on the surface it seems that it's because they were afraid they won't be able to conquer the land. But in Hasidus and the mysticism it explains that these are very great people, very spiritual people. What they were afraid of was something else. They were living in a life where godliness was totally revealed. There were constant miracles. Food they had coming from the heaven, man. clothing they had also in a miraculous way. It grew along with them. The clouds cleaned the clothing for them. As far as water is concerned, they also had that in a miraculous way. There was a well that traveled wherever they traveled. How could a well travel? This was a miracle. So they were surrounded by miracles. And you can imagine how they lived in an atmosphere which was totally spiritual and godly. Then they had to go into Israel. It wasn't just a change of location. It wasn't just a geographic change. It meant a new way of life. Living by nature. From now on, you have to work in the field, you have to plow the field, and then you have to do everything that has to be done in order to get food, which meant they were going into a new way of life following nature. That they didn't want. But they were punished. Because God specifically wants us to live in a lifestyle of nature. Why? Again, the same concept. Miracles are much higher. Nature is something which is lower. It's more of a concealment of godliness. You don't see godliness so clearly in nature. But because it's lower, the source of the godliness that's in nature is much higher than the source of the godly spark that's in a miracle. So therefore, God wants us to live within the realm of nature, and by doing that, we're able to gain a higher level of spirituality. There's a story told about the Altarebbe, that, as we know, there was tremendous opposition against his spreading chassidus, to the point that finally his opponents ...arranged that he should be arrested, arrested by the Russian government, who was being accused of treason, and his life was actually in danger. As he was traveling to the prison, in a horse and wagon, it was Friday afternoon, and the Altareba asked the person who was driving the coach, the person who was in charge, that they should stop and stay here for Shabbos. He does not want to travel on Shabbos. And of course, they refused. Suddenly, something in the wagon broke. They had to fix it. Once they had it fixed, suddenly a horse died. So they went to the closest village, and they got themselves a new horse. Now they had two horses, and for some strange reason, they would not move from their place. They couldn't get the horses to move. Finally, the man in charge realized that this is a holy person, and he doesn't want to travel, we're not going to get too far. And he begged him, please allow the horses to take us at least to the nearby village, I don't want to spend 24 hours here on the road. The Alter ever said, no, I don't want to travel any further. And he finally agreed that the horses should move and bring the wagon to the side of the road, near a tree. And that's exactly what happened. A similar incident happened... When he was in the jail, they used to take him for questioning. And in the jail he was in a little island. They had to take him to the mainland for questioning. So one time when they took him over with a little boat from the island to the mainland, it was at night, and there was a moon outside, the Alter wanted to perform the mitzvah of Kiddush levana Once a month we make a special blessing over the new moon, for the new month. So he asked the person, to stop the boat so they can make that blessing. And again, the captain said, no. Suddenly the boat stopped. And he realized who he's dealing with. So the boat started to move again, and the Altareva said, would you please stop the boat for me now? And realizing that the Altareva has his spiritual power, he decided to agree, and he stopped the boat. And the question is, why did he have to have the boat move again and then ask the captain to stop it. After all, he performed the miracle. He should have stopped the boat. And while the boat was stopped, he could have said the prayers over the new moon. Why did he have to have the boat move again and then ask the captain to stop the boat? And the answer that was given is if the boat would have been stopped by him through his spiritual power, that would mean that he's performing this mitzvah in a supernatural way but the, by the fact that the boat was stopped by the captain that made it being stopped in a natural way and now he was able to perform the mitzvah under the circumstances of nature not miracle why is it so important to do things in a natural way this as we explained before nature seems to be lower than a miracle but the source of nature the godliness in the nature comes from a higher spiritual source However, this sounds a little bit confusing. On one hand, we're saying that the bread is lower than the person. So this means that the godly spark in bread is lower than the godly spark in the person. And then we're saying, but the source of the godly spark in the bread is from a higher place. What does it mean that the source is a higher place? If it's a higher place, then that means the godly spark is higher. If the source is from a lower place, then it means that it's lower. What does it mean that its source is from a higher place, but it itself is actually lower? So, as in the analogy we gave before, the actual rock is 50 yards away. It's further away from me. But the energy that's invested in this rock, where is it coming from? It's coming from a deeper place within me. Then the question is, So what's so special about the fact that the initial source of the spark is a higher place, but right now, this spark is actually lower than the spark within a person? Why do we say that it's greater? And the answer is that it's important to remember, when you're dealing with something spiritual, it's not like when you're dealing with something physical. In the physical realm, the source of something is outside of it. When I say that, This person's great-great-great-grandfather was so-and-so. That person who's his great-great-grandfather is his source, but where is he? He's not here now. He lived five generations ago. If you say that a person who's living in America came 40 years ago from a city in Russia, so that means right now he's here. His source is something which was 40 years ago and in a place which is far away from here. That's in the physical world. So the source is separated by from the thing itself, either by time or by space. It existed in a different time, or it exists in a different place. When you're dealing with something spiritual, the source is not in a different time or a different place, because in the spiritual realm there is no time and space. But in spiritual things, things that are not tangible, when I say that A is derived from B, This B, which is the source of A, is within the thing itself. For example, if a person is shown a piece of art that someone made, and they say, I don't like it because I don't like the colors. But in truth they don't like it because they don't like this person, and therefore they're jealous of the good work that they did, and that's why they don't like it. That means that consciously they don't like it, because they don't like the colors. But subconsciously, it's actually jealousy. So we can say that this dislike for the picture, the source of it is jealousy. What does that mean? That the jealousy, this is the deeper dimension of their dislike, which means this is the true reason why they don't like it. So the source is not something else. The source is within the thing itself. That is its depth. That is its truth but you don't feel it consciously. On a conscious level, you feel something else. This is only in the subconscious. But what is the subconscious? It's the deeper dimension and the truer dimension of the conscious. The same thing with the spiritual realm. When we say that this godly spark has a source which is a very, very high place, that means that the deeper dimension of the godly spark in bread is a very, very high place. And its true dimension is a very, very high place. So therefore, the bread has in it an aspect which makes it greater than the person. So on one hand, the bread is lower because on a conscious level, the godliness in the bread is in a lower level. But in the subconscious and the deeper dimension of this godly spark, it comes from a much higher spiritual place. According to this principle, that the higher something is, the lower it falls, what would be with the godly spark that's in a sin? Everything in the world cannot, anything in the world cannot exist without godly energy. So even food which is not kosher must also have godly energy in it. Otherwise it couldn't exist. So why do we say that food which is not kosher has in it sholosh there is no godly energy in it? It doesn't mean there's no godly energy. Again, otherwise it couldn't exist. It means that the Godly energy in it is so concealed, it's as if it doesn't exist. It's like a person who's, God forbid, in a coma. The person is considered alive, but the life is so concealed, so unconscious, it's as if the person is not alive. When the person is unconscious in a mildest state, like sleeping or even fainting, you do something and you wake the person up. But when a person is unconscious, God forbid, in a condition of a coma, then the life in the person is there but it's such an unconscious state there's nothing you can do to wake him up and this is his condition so the godly spark in food is also there in a concealed state if the food is kosher but by making the proper blessing and doing the proper things I can activate it and elevate the godly spark in the food that's kosher but the godly spark in non-kosher food is so concealed it's as if it doesn't exist and that's why we say there's no godly spark there but it actually is So when a person does the kind of tshuva that transforms the sin into a merit, what does it mean? That this unique kind of tshuva has the power to activate even the godly spark that's in something which is sin. And therefore, when this is activated and brought out in the open, it can be transformed into a merit. It's like a person who is, God forbid, in a coma for 30 years, and then some new method in medicine was developed, And the person has woken up. Being that there is life there, it can be accomplished. So being that there is a godly spark in sin, therefore it can be activated if I do this special kind of chuvah. Then there's another point. If there is a godly spark in something which is sin, being that it's so low, we must say that it comes from a very high source, much higher than the godly spark in ordinary things. Because it came down so low. Why is this non-kosher food considered trace, sin? That's because on a conscious level, it's totally disconnected. It's as if there's no godliness there. But in the subconscious and in its source, it comes from a very godly place. So when a person activates the godly spark in sin and elevates it by doing this special tshuva, not only that he has godliness in him, but he has an element of godliness which is... Greater and much greater than the godliness within everything else in creation. And this is the deeper and mystical reason why a can reach much greater spiritual heights than a tzaddik. Because by activating the godly spark in something which is sin and elevating that, he now has a godly spark which is much greater than the godly spark that a tzaddik has because a tzaddik never committed sin. So because of this, he has such spiritual strength that the tzaddik does not have.